0: on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger.
1: Hey, it's good to see everybody today. How are you doing? Thank you, Justin. Come on, hey, this is uh, this is exciting. We got a uh, child dedications at the end of service, and there's a bunch of families here ready to go. And uh, there's just uh, there's just something special about bringing your kids to the Lord, and uh, and saying, Lord, would you would you um, would you show up in their life? Would you would you lead them and guide them and and be part of their life? Um, it's it's special, um, and we're going to be able to do that in a few minutes. But first, we are smack dab in the middle of a of a collection of talks, uh, messages, uh, out of the book of Romans, chapter eight, and uh, and today we're we're in the third uh, installment of that. And um, it, chapter eight is just this this incredible chapter in one of the most amazing books of the Bible. It was written by a guy named Paul, um, who originally his name was Saul. But um, what happens is he has this uh, he has this encounter with Jesus. He was not a follower of Jesus uh, while Jesus walked the earth. Um, but years after, he has an encounter with the Lord while he's, uh, while he's on the road, and, um, and the Lord gives him a nickname uh, because Jesus is like the king of nicknames. And uh, he's constantly giving people his own his own version of what their name is. And uh, I I read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, and Dale Carnegie says the, the the best word a person can hear is their own name. And I think Jesus disagrees with him, because uh, Jesus gives uh, him a new name. He calls him Paul, and uh, he becomes. Uh, this apostle out of out of season uh, after Jesus is is gone and he begins to flip the world on its head and um, I I just, I just think there's something unique for somebody that comes to Jesus a little later in life like there's this urgency about their life uh, that that's just it's a special thing and um, and so he begins to to write this letter and in, in chapter eight that we've been going through he talks about how we are free from the uh, the, the sort of the, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't do, I do want to do, and like, like this whole back and forth, and, and, and he says, we're, we're free from that inconsistency in our walk with God. Inconsistency doesn't mean you are not walking with God, but you can be free of it because he's dealt with the consequences of sin and the power of sin. This is what he says. And then he goes on and he says that uh, you, you've been given the spirit of adoption, that, that not only are you free from the power of sin and the consequences of sin, but God adopts you into his family. And that's good news, isn't it? That's really good news. And, um, but Paul makes this shift, and he, he starts to talk about um, uh, 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 the, the idea of, of suffering in our lives. Uh, so at first, he begins with, how do we deal with the inconsistency of our own behavior? And now he's going to, how do, we, how do we think about, how do we deal with the inconsistency between us living for God, and yet we still go through struggles? Does anybody go through struggles? I got some people that are honest in the house, and some of you are liars, I think, what, for me, one of my greatest struggles is just learning how to be a parent. Anybody, anybody on that page? <laughs> like, uh, I, mean, I feel like, I read this book, it was, it was titled, How Children Raise Parents. And I think, that's so true. Like, I learned so much about myself and my own personality and the parts of me that are completely flawed. Uh, like, like, I think the thing I've learned the best and being a parent, is just how to apologize. <laughs> like, like, I'm just so sorry. Your dad's an idiot. Um, I love you. My intentions are good. Just sometimes I'm an idiot. I think, um, you know, for, for our kids, it's fun. When our kids were really young, my my, my wife, uh, she worked in a daycare. In fact, she worked in a daycare before we had kids and then when they first started coming around. But what was crazy is it seemed like every time uh, a sickness would go through the daycare that she was working at. It would, like, jump her and go to me. And, th- and then my kids all started going to school, and we're sending them off. I'm like, yes, like first day of school is the most amazing thing. And then you discover that kindergartners are just little Petri dishes of sickness, and it would always skip my wife, and it would go straight to me, and like, and, and it was ho- it was absolutely horrible. And the, the other day, my my youngest son was at home, and uh, and he got sick. You don't want to raise your hands on this one, bud, because it's not a great not a great illustration. The, <laughs> the problem <laughs> he was like, "That's me." No, don't, do that. No, because this, the other day he was he was sick, like in his bed, and he was throwing up in the middle of the night. Okay, all you parents, just get ready, just get ready. If you haven't experienced this yet the joy of being a parent. <laughs> and he was he was throwing up, and, and I could see my wife, and she, she was over there comforting him, which which I thought was hilarious because she's got like a a sympathy gag reflex, you know. She was that kid on the school bus, you know. And so like somebody else goes, she's gonna go like boom, boom, boom chain reaction. So she's she's trying to comfort him, and he's just sick as a dog, vomiting in his room, and and I could see him from from my room through the hallway. I could see him over there and see her, and, I, and she was looking at me like, please come save me, please. I was just giggling away. I was like, just <laughs> have fun, because it sounds horrible. I, I'm the one that gets sick. So in our family, if, if anyone gets sick in our family, they all know it's going to hit dad. I'm just bad immune system, I guess. Um, didn't eat enough dirt as a child. I I tried. I tried. But um, I get sick, and it doesn't matter what the sickness is. I, I end up, like, throwing up. Like, it's going to be bad. Like, it's just... <laughs> You're like, is he talking about vomit in church? It's going somewhere. Just just stay there with me. I mean, like, people, you know, people say, oh, like Pastor Roger, you got like a you got just a really weak stomach. I don't have a weak stomach. I've got a very strong stomach. I can throw farther than most people. <laughs> but, but, but like whenever I get sick, like it, it doesn't matter. Like I'm throwing up, and 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 when I'm throwing up, I'm like, every time it's loud, it's violent, and it's like. It's like, I'm pleading with God. <laughs> like, oh God, I'm so sorry for everything in my life that I've ever done wrong. like, whatever I've done to deserve this, take it from me, <laughs> take it, take it from Like, I'm sorry that I you know, didn't do this or that. I'm just like begging God. Anybody else do that? You're like begging God for mercy. When you... <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> I'm not kidding, I st- to this day, like that's where I'm at. I'm just beg- like, I'm begging God for mercy when I get sick. And, and I think, <clears throat> I think, like that may be silly, right? The, I, like I, I beg God for mercy when I'm throwing up. But I think a lot of us experience tough times, difficult seasons, and we beg God, like God, whatever I did wrong. <laughs> Whatever I did wrong to lose my job, God, I'm so sorry. Take it from me. Whatever I did wrong to have this loneliness inside of me, take it from me. And for, for a lot of us, it's a lot more real life than a, a violent vomiter like myself. For, for a lot of us, it looks like the emotional struggle that you deal with every day. And you're like, God, what, what what is wrong with me because I live for you, I follow you, I believe in you, but I still just struggle emotionally. Or maybe for you, it's, it's a, a mental thing. Or maybe for you, it's physical sickness. You've got a, a physical thing going on in your body and you think, God, if you're good and you're true and you're, you're faithful to your word, why? What did I do to, 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 to get this thing going on? Or maybe for you, it's false accusation maybe someone has said something about you that just wasn't true or maybe it was true but it certainly was not their place to share it and you wonder how is it that I'm living for God I'm doing my best to move forward and yet it just seems like I've just got so much struggle maybe broken relationships or or maybe just the weight of whatever your role in life is or or maybe for you, it's just tension in your marriage. And you're like, God, would you just resolve this tension? In moments like these, we, we often turn to Bible verses that say things like, you know, he, he will work all things out for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, let's go. But what happens when you do love him and you are trying to serve him and you still Struggle. What do you do when you just can't see the goodness of God now? Like, it's still hard. What do you do when you've covenanted forever with someone, but forever was not forever? Like, what do you do when when you're not as excited about being a parent as people think you should be? You love God, but it just feels like it's more of a burden. What, what do you do when you get the diagnosis and you don't see a silver lining? What, what do you do when you don't get the job that you really needed? What do you do when it feels like there's no light at the end of your trouble? I'll tell you what we, we can know is that there are promises in the word of God. The word of God tells us that his mercies are new every morning. Every night when I go to bed, if I've had a rough day, when I wake up and my eyes open, his mercies are new every morning. Fresh mercy. Every t- this is why I'll drop my, kid, my, my youngest off to school, and I love to stop if the sun is rising. I'll pull over on the side of the road and just watch the sunrise because it's like the mercy of God rising over my life. I can know that that weeping may endure for a night. I may have grief for a season, but joy does come in the morning. I can know that there's joy in the house of the Lord. And when I'm experiencing loneliness or feelings of abandonment, I can come around other believers and worship God, and and there's power there. There's, There's this sense of I belong to him and I belong to you that happens. But but what do you do when you know all of that stuff? But it doesn't seem to change the fact that life is still hard. The decisions you made a long time ago are still affecting you. The decisions someone else made that you didn't have a choice in are affecting you. What, what do you do? I'll tell you what often happens is those things push us away from other people and it creates a sense of loneliness inside of us and that loneliness then makes us isolate ourselves even further, getting away from other people and, and that pain will cause us to, to go beyond isolation into completely detaching from our relationships and then we look at everybody else wondering why they abandoned us. They didn't abandon us, we, we pushed away. And it's, it's to this issue that Paul speaks in this third portion of Romans 8. It's not how do I manage the behavior problem in my life, it's how do I deal with this contrast between I'm a saved believer in Jesus, but I really struggle, I really suffer, I'm really disappointed, I've really got pain. My heart is still broken. And it says this in verse 17, and and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his sufferings. Somebody right now, you're like, oh, oh no, I I was hoping I would just be really encouraged today. (laughs) Lift it up a little bit, pastor. Here's what I'll encourage you with. I want to encourage you with some deep roots that will get you through life's struggles. Jesus tells this parable. He says there were two people that built a house. One built a house on sand, and the other one built it on, on rock. And the storm came to both houses. And the person that built it on sand, their house washed away. But the person who built their house on a rock, their house stayed. And what we learn from that is this, is that the storms of life, the disappointments of life, the pains of life, the grief of life, it affects everyone. You're not getting out of this thing without experiencing suffering. Yeah. But what matters is that you build your life on the rock of the word of God and not on something else. Like, like it's, this is one of those messages where I'm hoping to build some roots on somebody today, Okay. We're trying to build roots today. This is not the message to like draw a crowd, like build a big church. This is the message to build big believers, okay? He says that we, if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. What that means is we do not get out of this without pain. You cannot avoid disappointment or suffering. It is, it's this false expectation that we attach to our faith that says that if we walk with God, we should be pain-free, that somehow God's plan for our life looks like getting above the struggles of life and never experiencing loss. Can I just tell you that, that nobody gets a get-out-of-jail-free card? we all experience the suffering. And and honestly, I think the American church has missed the mark on this one because the number one reason why American Christians leave the church, it's not because they've got some new theology, like some new belief, new understanding that disproves God. It's not because some new revelation has come that gives them some sort of out to understand how to get past. What it is, the reason we leave church, the reason we throw in the towel with God is suffering. Because we experience pain and we didn't think we were supposed to get it because we were told we gotta get out of jail free card. And and let let me be very clear. You're talking, like who's talking to you is like like, I'm a, I'm a believer in the miracle-working power of God. I've seen him do miracles. I believe he still restores. I believe he still heals. I believe he's still in the business today. Like, he's still yes. doing it now. Like, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit were not something relegated to an old ancient church. I believe it's still active and alive today. Yes. Yes. But I also believe that if we're going to share in his glory, we must understand that we will share in suffering we will share in his suffering so I cannot guarantee that you won't experience suffering but I can guarantee that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you I can guarantee that he hears every cry from your heart I can guarantee that he will work all things for your good so today I want to begin this encouraging message By saying, life is a struggle. Life is a struggle. And when you hear that, it it really, it makes you question some of your motives. Because if you you believe that your good behavior, your faithfulness to God, your giving and generosity, your serving and helping others, somehow guaranteed a problem-free life, Understanding that you will have struggle might make you question why you do those things. And Paul goes on in the next verse. He says, yet yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. And I love this. He, he, he doesn't say this. He doesn't say, you're suffering because you did something wrong. Just like throwing up pastor that repents for all the things he doesn't know about. That's not what he says. He doesn't say you're, you're, you're experiencing disappointment because you disappoint God. That's not what he says. He says that the, the disappointments you experience are not worthy to be even compared or contrasted to the glory that God has for your life. What this means is that your struggling and your suffering is not a sign that you live in sin. What I'm saying is, it, you dealing with disappointments and pain and maybe sickness in your body does not mean that you have somehow displeased God and you are in sin. And the worst thing is, we, we Christians are notorious. For all the people that are like, you came because your friend was getting their baby dedicated and you're not a believer, we Christians are notorious, aren't we, for saying really stupid things to people that are hurting. <laughs> Oh, they, there's probably, you never know. Like, they, they, they probably, there's probably stuff going on in, behind closed doors in their life. That's probably why that's happening to them. <laughs> well, well, you know, well, you know. They, they, they probably didn't even mean it when they gave their life to the Lord in, in the first, like, they probably, probably didn't mean it. Or, or, or maybe something like, like, it sounds like he's running from something. Can, can I tell you that, Sometimes people do run from things, and God will bring some, some turmoil in their life. This is Jonah, great example. Like, Jonah runs from what God's calling him to do, and God says, okay, if you're going to run from me, I'm going to disrupt your life. I'm going to swallow you with a fish. Stands out. Like, it's not common frustrations. It's pretty big. But then Job is faithful to God, righteous in every way, and yet calamity wrecks his life, like destroys his life, had nothing to do with sin in his life, had nothing to do with that. I I would say this, like if you're here today and you feel like the reason you're going through what you're going through is because you somehow disappointed God, that is a lie of the enemy that will always keep you from God because you'll think he's mean, Don't say stupid stuff to people that are hurting. (laughs) In fact, I would say this. If you have a friend that is hurting emotionally, mentally, physically, marriage, maybe lay off the advice and just go sit next to them quietly. Maybe like the, the most difficult thing that happened in Job's life was when his friends opened their big yappers. And then it goes on in the next verse, verse 19. It says, for all of creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and freedom from decay. This passage is saying that the curse of sin does not just affect you and I. Like, like our distance between us and God is not just about a relationship between us and God. It also affected the world around us. In fact, in Genesis, God says that the ground itself is going to grow thorns. And you're, it's going to be hard for you to even produce anything to eat. Like... like Famines are a result of the, the, the fall, like, like tsunamis, a result of the fall. Earthquakes, a result of the fall. And right now I have a scientist that's like, actually, preacher, you need to learn about tectonic plates. I'm saying scripture is not a textbook that's explaining how things happen. Scripture is a redemptive story that says why things happen. And so, yes, tectonic plates move and shift and earthquakes and volcanoes and islands get washed with water. But the reason why, like not the, the, the thing behind it is that we live in a world that is not the way God designed it. It's not the way God purposed it. It's not the way God wanted it to be. And because of that, the whole earth is, is experiencing pain. And the whole earth is eagerly waiting for that moment when God writes every wrong Global warming. What's he going to say? I'm a Canadian from northern Canada. You can guess what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that global warming, whether you think it's this big conspiracy or you think that glaciers are actually melting at a very rapid rate, it is a... You don't have to get mad and leave right now. Come on. I love you. (laughs) A direct result of the fall is that the earth itself falls. Things like temperatures changing to be inhospitable does not somehow define or defy the Christian ethic. It is part of what we believe, that the world itself is struggling. Verse 22 (laughs) Get off those hot topics. Okay. For we know for we know that all creation has been groaning. Everybody groan. <laughs> you sound like a horrible Casper the Ghosts. Okay. I'll, I'll say it again so you hear what kind of groan that should have been. It says, all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. That wasn't, uh. It's like, oh, God, get me some. Get me drugs. (laughs) Right up until this present time. And we believers also, oh God, take this thing away. We groan. It says the earth is doing it and the believers are doing the same thing. And then watch this. We're groaning for something to change. But then it says this. Even though, everybody say, even though though. we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory, even though we have access to the Holy Spirit flowing through our lives. We eagerly groan for things to change. Even though God has saved you and set you free, He's given you power over the consequences of sin, power over the power of sin, we still groan for something more. That doesn't mean you're failed in your walk with God. It's normal in your walk with God. It's a foretaste of the future glory. What future glory? heaven, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, and we too, we wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Last week, I, I told you that you were adopted into Christ. But here it says you will be adopted into Christ. Just a couple of verses later. So which is it? Is it that you have been or that you will be? I think the answer is found very clearly in a a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this, that salvation is not a line you cross. Salvation is a line you follow. Follow. And so we were adopted, and we're being adopted. In fact, it says, and we will receive the full inheritance. We were saved, and we're being saved, but one day we will be saved. I'm just saying, like the the struggles, the pain, the insecurities, they don't mean that you've somehow fallen out. It's just part of it, and our lives, we're, we're yearning for God to change it. Why? Because life is a struggle, but we have hope. We have hope, and our hope isn't in things resolving themselves now. Our hope is not in Wells Fargo returning all the overdraft fees back into your bank account. Our hope is that there is coming a day And in a moment, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise, and those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet him in the air, and we shall forever be with the Lord. I'm just saying my hope is not in a better lifestyle. My hope's not in a safe bank account. My hope isn't in the the, the banks being secured properly. My hope is in a day that has not come yet. My, my hope isn't in me being free from sickness, free from struggle. My hope goes beyond this world. What that means is now I have a hope that is not based on how many 223 rounds I have stowed away in my basement somewhere. I know. I know you. My hope is not based on who is in office. My hope is not based on bank securities, the FICD, or whatever, if, what all that stuff. I, my hope's not in all that. My hope is not in the price of gas at the pump. My hope. Is that the Christ in me and the Holy Spirit that is now active in my life. He's going to overflow in my life. But my hope is future glory. Future glory. I'm going to be with him forever. And all this pain, gone. All this suffering, gone. All the loneliness, gone. Come on. We were given, verse 24, we were given this hope. When we were saved, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. He's saying he, he, this is not a question of your salvation. He said, You already saved. You were given the hope then, but you don't have it yet. It's this Paul theology of already, not yet. Paul does this all the time. You're already, no, not yet. You're already holy, but not yet. Like you're already transformed, but not yet. It's the process of living for God. He says, if you already had it, you, you wouldn't hope for it. So my youngest, who I roasted a minute ago about vomiting, <laughs> the life of being a pastor's kid, I'm so, 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 I owe them a lot of apologies. It's his birthday next week. Turning 10 years old. And um, proud of him. He's a, he's a good kid. He's a lover. He loves the Lord. Loves people. And um, he wants to be a shoe designer when he grows up. Well, that's cool. Like, how good are you at saying, would you like fries with that? You know, like, <laughs> I support him and I love him. Like, honestly, <laughs> we really do. We spent way too much money on a pair of shoes because what he wanted to do was design some shoes. And so we got on the Vans website and we let him design his own pair of Vans. He could custom everything. And so he ordered them a while back. And of course, he got like dollar, dollar bills like all over. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. It's like, he's 10. He can have dollar bills on his, his shoes. Any of you come in here with that? We're going to have questions. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> but every, every day after school, he comes running up on the porch. We've got this box that's—it's uh, there for them to put the deliveries in, so that people from California don't take stuff off the. <laughs> you know, it's true. <laughs> the, the, if, if you got offended by that, they're all laughing because they're from California. <laughs> <laughs> But he comes and checks he checks the porch every day. He's looking he's looking for the shoes. He's getting frustrated. It's been a couple weeks. He's like, Dad, where are my shoes? Where, where are the shoes? Dad, go check the bank account. He said this the other day. Dad, go check the bank account. Make sure the money went through. Like, make sure, make sure the money went through. I'm like, I'm like, I promise it went through. They're making the shoes. It takes a while. It's not, this is not McDonald's. They're making them just for you. It's going to be a minute. He's like, well, are they going to? Yes, they're going to get here in time for your birthday. But just wait. And even if they came early, we would hide them, and you wouldn't get them until your birthday. Why? Why is he like that? Because he's eagerly waiting for something he does not yet have, but he does have it. It is his. It's available to him. He just hasn't experienced the fullness of it yet. Verse 26, and the Holy Spirit, this is beautiful because Paul's talking about this this idea of suffering and how we, we eagerly wait a future hope, and then he gives us right back to, The power of the Holy Ghost in your life. What the Holy Spirit does in your life. Why you want to cultivate the Spirit in your life. He says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Anybody in that boat? I don't know what God wants me to pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. This is a beautiful circle that we're seeing here is that the earth groans for the day that God would redeem the world and the believers groan for the day that God would change and transform us and remove the suffering and the pain and the spirit of God groans in the same way for the believers that we would experience all that God has for us. Thank you, David. <laughs> I can have confidence in that, knowing that the Spirit of God, He's interceding for me. And when I don't know how to pray, He's got my back. Like, he's, he's with me. He's not going to leave. And so when, when you don't have words that you can form into meaning, the Spirit of God wants to pray and is praying for you right now. And the beautiful thing is this. He knows your name. And he knows your situation. And he knows the will of God. Yes. So life is a struggle but the Spirit is praying for us. Come on, that's encouraging. That's good. These are roots. These are foundational pieces that we don't ebb and flow in our faith based on our circumstances. We know that life is a struggle. He's praying for us. He's with us. And the beautiful thing about this is this is that you don't have to wait for a pastor to pray for you. You don't have to wait until the prayer team prays with you. You don't have to wait until your small group leader prays with you. You have access to the Holy Spirit. If your faith is in Jesus, you have access to the Holy Spirit. Uncork that sucker and let the Spirit flow in your life. Verse 28, and we know... That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is one of the most quoted, famous verses in the entire Bible. I got a baby baby in here like, ah, let's go. This is a quoted verse. But here, think about it we know that he works all things together for, for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose, smack dab in the middle of a passage about we will experience suffering. This is not a fluffy promise. This is not like a, like, oh, I'm just chasing after God's promises. No, this is a, it's real life promise. You're going to suffer, but know this, he will work all things out for good. Yeah, I know, pastor, like, Yeah. Everything happens for a reason. I get it. That's not what it says. Take that out of your vocabulary. Everything happens for a reason. Bad theology. Bad belief. Pop culture. It doesn't say everything happens for a reason. Some things happen because we live in a fallen world and it's just not good. Sometimes our hearts just get broken. Sometimes people make decisions that are good for them and bad for us. Sometimes we make decisions that are bad for us. Sometimes our bodies just get sick because our bodies were not made for this broken world we live in. The promise is that in the middle of all that, he will work it for good doesn't mean he's causing the marital struggle. It means he will work through the tension of your marriage for the goodness of God to be seen in your life. It it doesn't mean that God gave you diabetes. What it means is God will take that struggle, that, that lifelong struggle and frustration, that limitation, and he will use it for his glory if you love him and you're called according to his purpose. And that's... That's an interesting thought because that that means this. Life is a struggle, but God is working. God is working everything that is a struggle out for good to his people. That means that if I have to go through a fire to somehow be more conformed to the image of Christ, he will probably let me go through the fire. But even in the fire, he has promised that I'm not alone, that he'll never leave me, and he'll never forsake me. Let me say it like this. He is more concerned with your conformity to him than you are than he is with your comfort. And I know that in this room, any room this size, there are people at different spaces in their walk with God. There are people here that you're like, yeah, this is old news. I've been living for God for years. I got it. And there are people in the room that you're brand new to the faith and you've been wondering why you're still struggling with things. And you're like, oh, now I'm starting to see he gives me this overcoming life through. And then there's other people in the room that you're not even a Christian. You 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 would not call yourself a Christian. That's great. Like we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Keep kicking the tires, drink the free coffee. Keep asking questions. That's how we got where we like in our faith in Christ is from asking questions. Ask questions. But if if you're in that category, this passage is actually probably difficult for you. And it's difficult because it says that he will work all things out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so what that means is, if your faith is not in Jesus, and you say, I feel like suffering is pointless, you're right. If your faith is not in Jesus, the struggle you go through is in vain, The suffering of your life is pointless and has no meaning. But when we turn to Jesus and say, can you redeem even the worst of the parts of my life? He always says, yes. He says, give me your worst. I can make it beautiful. What's so interesting about this passage is that He's not saying, I'm going to free you from the pain, the disappointment, and the suffering today, which he does do. But it says, I, I've got a bigger picture I want you to look at. It's like Philippians 1.6. It says this, that he which began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I used to struggle with that passage so much because it didn't make any sense to me. Like, if God started something in my life, it's because he wanted me to become something and do something. Like, it should say, like, he which began a good work in me would complete it until I'm successful. It's not what it says. It says God's plan for your life goes beyond successes, and it goes to resting with him in glory forever. He's going to complete that thing. The band would come. This passage then goes on in verse 29, and it says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What this passage is telling us is that God's plan for your life looks like a process. It looks like a series of events. It looks like a series of following him. Following him when he knew you. He chose you. He called you. He adopted you into the family. But he doesn't stop there. Because God's purpose is bigger than just now. He says, and then he's going to bring you to glory. God's got a plan. So much bigger than the world we live in. So much bigger. So life is a, it's a struggle. But we have hope. But the spirit is praying. But God is working. You know, I was talking to a friend just recently and they were talking about well they, they, they've been living for God for a few years, but when I first knew them, they weren't, they wouldn't probably call themselves a believer. Maybe casually, maybe. And this person kind of came to the Lord and, and was kind of living for God, but not all in. And things got rough. Marriage falling apart. Addiction from the past surfaced and just life was going crazy. Wasn't the way that he had planned it. And there was this question of, I'm, I thought I'm living for God. Why am I experiencing struggles in my marriage? Why am I still struggling with the addictions? What's going on? tears in his eyes he looked at me and said I've been sober for two years things have never been better between us like God is doing a work in my family and for the first time in my life I can look back and see all those things and realize he never left us he was with me and that I had to go through those things to be able to understand what he's actually doing in my life I just want to tell somebody today Life is hard, but God has a plan for your life. God has a plan. Would you stand with me all across the room? Just kind of raise your hands in like a surrender to God, like this. Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would you would develop the confidence inside of us, not in freedom from struggle and pain, loneliness, or disappointment. God, I pray that you would ground us and root us in the truth that you have a plan beyond this you intend to bring us to glory, to be with you forever. I pray that our hope would not rest in an easy life now, but our hope would rest in the only one who conquered this life. Lord, I pray right now for those people that are struggling in their marriage, that they would turn towards you and allow you to make all things work together for good. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're in the room today and, and you would say, I, I am not where I should be with God. I'm not a, I don't really believe him, but I'm ready to trust him now. If that's you and you're ready to get your life right with God and say, I trust you. Would you just put your hand up? It's it's darker in here. Nobody can see back there. I see see a couple hands. I see some hands. Listen. This is easy. According to the scripture, this is not about jumping through hoops. It's not about overcoming. It's about trusting the finished work of Jesus on the cross alone. So what we do is we repent and we believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we know are separating us from God. And we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection. And when we do this, we gain a future hope of glory that conquers all of life's struggles. So if you raised your hand or maybe you want to jump in, pray something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I'm turning away from those things now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me, that he was buried for three days, and that he rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave, Right now, I'm placing all of my faith, all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, let's go. God
0: bless you. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.